Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your host, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you? I'm doing well, Ed. I hope you are. I am doing well. And I just, you know, I, we've talked a lot of baseball stories in the past. And I just had to start off asking if you saw that Field of Dreams game last week. But of course I did. It was last, uh, I guess, Thursday. And uh, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I thought that was just fascinating, especially the interview with Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds uh, first baseman. Uh, mm-hmm. While he was playing the game, he had a microphone on. Mm-hmm. That was interesting stuff. Yeah, it was good stuff. And I like Votto. He's a he's a class act. And um, I, uh, I'm not particularly a Reds fan, and I'm certainly not a Cubs fan, but I enjoyed it. Um, I did not like the Reds um, vintage uniforms, um, but they didn't ask me. Uh, I like the Cubs. Uh, I thought they ought to change to those uh, for 2023. Um, but uh, it was an enjoyable game. Um, didn't have a rooting interest, but hey, can't always do that. Well, the other big news that has happened since we were here last is the Wyoming primary election. And it seems that, uh, and we talked about this um, last week as a forecast that we thought Cheney would lose big. Well, she lost by. 20, 37 points. It was a total blowout. I, I, I didn't see any predictions that high, but um, she didn't even get 30% of the vote. She did. She did. I mean, that that's uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, and then she was posturing this morning, apparently on the Today Show, about running for office uh, again to with the presidency. Well, and let's talk and nobody, about this because uh, yeah, nobody nobody said you 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 couldn't get thirty percent of the vote in your own state where your father was the political godfather for decades, and you think you're going to be president? I mean, what what is she smoking? Well, I think she puts herself on the same level as Abraham Lincoln. This is a little bit of what she said last night. Our republic relies upon the goodwill of all candidates for office to accept honorably the outcome of elections. And tonight, Harriet Hegeman has received the most votes in this primary. She won. I called her to concede the race. This primary election is over. But now, the real work begins. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Does the word hubris come to mind? No, no it does not. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just don't understand the mindset uh, to... To get thumped like that, and she knew it was coming. She had to know. So she prepared her remarks or had someone do it. And in those remarks, I, mean, I don't care if you won by 30 points, you don't compare yourself to Abraham Lincoln. If, if that's an appropriate comparison, somebody else will do it for you in the media. Well, it's all about uh, it's all about what she can do to ensure that Donald Trump never becomes president again, to use her language. That's right. And, uh, you know, another part of her concession speech last night uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. It was that she said something about well, she went went into the Mar-a-Lago raid, and uh, that Trump's criticism and other conservatives' criticism of the raid, 
And, and she said something about you would have to believe that 30 FBI agents all got together uh, to put aside their oath of office to plant evidence. And, you know, the one thing I thought of is, well, what about all those you know, 50 some intel officials who said that the Hunter laptop was Russian disinformation? Yeah. And, and what what about the um, the FISA uh, court warrant? I mean, what, that was what, three or four FBI officials. Um, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's off her rocker. She's raised a ton of money from liberals um, as a result of her anti-Trump stance, and I guess she she is to some extent a um, a power broker now uh, among the anti-Trumpers and Democrats, in that she she didn't spend anywhere close to, to that money in her uh, primary race, so she can dole that out to. Yeah, I understand she raised something like $15 million and only spent about half of that. Yeah, so she she can parcel that out to whomever she likes, and I'm sure she will. Uh, you know, she she's, she's rich, and her husband's rich, and they live in D.C., and I'm sure the people in Wyoming are glad that they live in D.C. Yeah, you know, here's the other thing about Cheney that I, she doesn't understand is that right now she's the Democrats' favorite Republican. But they do that all the time, whether it's John McCain being their favorite Republican or Mitt Romney, at least until that person happens to run for president. And then they trash that person just the way they do every other Republican. That's that's right. And and Adam Kinzinger was their guy for a while. And then they redistricted him out of the seat. Um, and, you know, as soon as they they have a chance, they'll, they'll throw her to the wolves, too. Well, they won't have much time now. So her days are or going to dwindle down as this year goes along. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, has been. Yeah. So uh, honestly, do you think she'll run for president? Oh, I think she might, but I mean, the, the notion that she would run as a Republican is just, uh, strikes me as fantasy. Uh, and she's not going to get any traction in the Democrat party. Um, because never Trump is not, I mean, they're all never Trump, you know. So, so that doesn't that doesn't do anything for her in that in that realm. Um, but uh, I, I think she is. Um, I think she thinks quite highly of herself, and I think she is addicted to publicity and power to the extent she had power, and she did. She was what number three in the House Republican Caucus before they kicked her out. That's right. And she was the sole congressman in Wyoming or representative member of the House from Wyoming. And that's that's a you know, she played a a pretty big role in Wyoming politics, um, if for no other reason than her father was. The former vice president, secretary of defense and longtime uh, Wyoming congressman. Uh, So I I don't think she can just go off and be a soccer mom and and hang around the D.C. dinner circuit. I think she's got to have. uh, more to her life than that. And so I expect her to run, yeah, or do something. One of the talking heads said that she wants to run for president so she can be in that debate with Donald Trump so she can confront him with everything she learned on the January 6th commission. Uh, I, I don't see that going very well for her. No, I don't either. And 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 the pro- part of the problem, and, and if, you, if, you, if you, you know, the pundits are saying that, that, that the whole reason for the January 6th, I'm sorry, the Mar-a-Lago search warrant was that the January 6th hearings went over like the proverbial Putin church. 
And nobody who's not a, a rabid Democrat political aficionado gives two hoots about the January 6th hearings. So the, this notion that she thinks that, you know, people are going to care in two years or three years or, or a year, I don't understand. But, hey, I'm just a poor old country lawyer, you know. guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, the other big story this week was that um, Biden signed this big bill that they finally pushed through Congress with uh, Kamala being the tie-breaking vote in the Senate after they got Manchin and Sinema to go along. Uh, when he signed it, he said this. And I'm keeping my campaign commitment. No one, let me emphasize, no one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes. Why does he keep saying that? I think he believes it. I think that... Uh, I think that this is my take, and I'm curious to hear what you think. But I yeah. think that Democrats only view taxes based on the marginal tax rate. And so they think, oh, if we're not raising marginal income tax rates for people below 400000 nothing else affects them. Never mind that all corporate taxes get passed through to the individuals. Never mind that you know the CBO has said that out of the projections of $124 billion in new revenue, $20 billion is going to come from more audits on low- and middle-income Americans, not to mention what inflation's doing. I just don't think they understand that other piece or don't care. Well, that's a really good point, Ed, um, and, and I think you're probably right. Either that or um, they're not telling, you know, whoever in the, in the White House West Wing that's pulling the, the strings – um, is not telling him. I don't understand. I don't think that's, I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, the Democrats are going to pay the price uh, when folks figure out that, that they've got their taxes raised. Um, so, you know, and, and I think, frankly, they'll know who to hold accountable for that. So I don't understand why they would, why they would continue to send him out there to say that when it's, you know, even the CBO says it's not true. So you, you're probably right that it's at marginal rate and they just, I mean, they're not known for their economic prowess. Well, I mean, you know, th I think back to something that was said about uh, Al Gore, that he was just smarter than everybody else. And that's why he had problems when he ran for president. And then they said the same thing about Kerry or maybe Kerry said it about himself that just didn't speak well enough to the people for them to understand me. Uh, basically insulting everybody. I, I think that'll be their approach here also. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. Um just odd to me. Did you see, uh, I mean, I guess you did, you know, the president comes out and flies into to, to Washington from Kiowa. He comes out with his mask on. Uh, he, he sits down, he coughs um, all over the pen that he then hands to Joe Manchin. And well, wait a minute. You, you skipped a step because he took the mask off. That's right. And then that's coughed. right. And then coughed and, and, and handed the pen to Joe Manchin who, who put it in his pocket uh, and then he shook hands with Manchin and Schumer and uh, Clyburn and Hoyer and Pelosi. Did I get all of them? No, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah the whole. Hit and break. then he put the mask back on. Yeah. And and Doctor Jill has tested positive, so I guess they left her in uh, in uh, 
and killed. I guess so. None of that made any sense. I mean, you 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 described it accurately, but none of that made any sense. And the CDC has there was a an announcement late this afternoon. You see that? Yeah, I guess the the director of the CDC has said that they will reorganize because they were ineffective in communicating what they were trying to communicate during the pandemic. Yeah, their botched response to the coronavirus. I mean, uh, of course, she's going to keep her job, and and so are a number of people. So, you know, um, I guess a restructure probably means they'll get more money from the coffers of the Treasury as they are um, increased due to the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. The CDC looks really bad uh, with the masks and the, all that, and they, they're, they're pretty much saying um, none of that was true. Uh, there was There's some study that was done in, I think, maybe Taiwan um, about the effect of the second Pfizer shot. I think it was, it was in Thailand, actually. Okay, Thailand. Uh, the increase in myocarditis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know the uh, the lib uh, on the five. Uh, what is her name? Jen. She has a kind of a Russian last name. Uh, Jessica Tarlov. Yeah, Jessica Tarlov. See, I told you it was Jen. Um, you know, she was even raising hell about that uh, this afternoon, uh, saying, "Why wasn't that study done in this country?" You know, yeah. and, and that's a good point. Um, our government and our public health officials have um, some, as, as Ricky would say, some splaining to do. That's a good way to put it. You know, I, I kind of gave the CDC a pass maybe early on a little bit because I figured, yeah, they're dealing with something new. They don't understand it. You know, governors don't understand it. Trump doesn't understand it. You know, everybody's trying to kind of figure their way through this. And, and everybody was reacting. Rather, they, they couldn't act because they just didn't know. Like you say, it was new. Yeah, the problem is that now when you look back and you see how many times the story's changed, and you got to bring Fauci in, even though he doesn't work for the CDC, but he was a he was an advisor to everybody involved. And, you know, he's the one who said, you know, masks don't work. You don't need a mask. And then he said, actually, masks do work, but I want to save them all for the healthcare professionals. And he flip-flopped back and forth so much that they have all lost a great deal of credibility. Oh, yeah. And, and Fauci was the number one uh, guy in the, in the government's response to COVID. Um, I mean, he, he, was, he was driving the train. And, and the fact is, you know, I hope that – Whatever this reorg at CDC is, is successful because we need the CDC and we need the CDC to be successful. Uh, they do lots of lots of good work about, you know, it's the Centers for Disease Control. They deal with lots of public health issues. They, they do. And they need to be, um, you know, kind of a, uh, on the top of their game, I guess, is what I'm trying to say with respect to all this stuff. And I mean, clearly there's some. I don't know if you'd call it rot or bureaucratic largesse or something there. And you just wonder if the restructuring, you know, you hope it would, it would include um, some, some consequences in the, in the form of lost uh, jobs or lost responsibilities for some of these people that made these mistakes and, um, and, and then continued with the mistakes. I, I think your, your point is really, really a, a good one. Anybody could screw up initially, but they just, Double down, triple down, quadruple down on it for almost, you know, 
going on two and a half years now. That's right. And, and, and you still, you know, they've loosened up the masks and they've loosened up, you know, this and that and the other, but they're still saying vaccinate children. And, and you have some of these, and it's not the federal government, but some of these imbecilic school systems in the country, and it's just a handful are saying kids got to wear masks. And you still got the military trying to discharge service members for not getting the vaccination. Uh, and so, you know, even as they admit their botched response, um, there's still a certain level of cognitive dissonance in, in, in what they're saying. And it doesn't seem like anybody's like, wait a minute, we got to be consistent here. <laughs> Consistency, no. <laughs> um, the other thing we talked about last week was the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And I guess since then, the FBI kind of released the, uh, I guess they released the warrant and the inventory. Um, still not a great explanation. Uh, the AG Merrick Garland came out and said he authorized it, which blew up some of the confidential sources that were out there reporting to the mainstream media. Yeah, but but he agonized over it for weeks. So why was it so urgent? Yeah, well, you mean he agonized over pulling the trigger on a warrant. Uh, right. And, and even when they got the warrant, they got it on Friday, but didn't do anything with it till Monday. Uh, and still a lot of questions about this whole thing. <laughs> Merrick Garland looked bad when we talked last week. He looks uh, at least an order of magnitude worse this week because of what he said and then what he didn't say. Um, and, and fighting to continue to uh, keep the affidavit, which is the supporting documentation, the basis, the factual basis, the legal basis for uh, a, a judicial official to find probable cause to search uh, the premises is, um, you know, he's just out there twisting in the wind, and I don't think the man's smart enough to know it. Yeah, you know, there's a hearing scheduled for Thursday afternoon on whether to unseal the affidavit. Yeah, and I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, sort of the default is to keep it sealed to protect potential witnesses and so forth. So if the government says that's what we need to do, I don't see a, in this case, the magistrate, but even a district court judge unsealing it over the government's objection. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a lot of these affidavits, they lay out the purpose of the investigation, sometimes informants' names or, you know, other information like that in the affidavit because they know it's going to be sealed. So if there's anything to that effect in it, it's not going to come out yeah. right or wrong. And, and it's probably, even if they redact names, when they read it, you might be able to tell who those people are um, just by reading what they said. And, you know, I thought it was very telling that Nora O'Donnell comes out, I guess it was Monday night, and says the uh, FBI did not see the, seize the Trump uh, passports. Um and and uh, was sort of um, headstrong in her response, as was a, a number of other media uh, types, or as were another uh, other media types. But then the Justice Department said, "Oh, yeah, by the way, um, we, we do have the passports, and we need to give them back." And then tell me this: I was I was shocked at the number of people on the left who responded to the accusation that they had gotten his passports with this 
screeching rant uh, about how could a man have two passports when it was obvious. Well, he said one was expired. So how could he have he had three? One was expired. So how could he have two valid passports? Well, how smart do you have to be to know that one was a was a U.S. government diplomatic passport and, and the other one was his personal private passport that he had probably before he was president? Uh, and just people that ought to know better were saying, oh, he's got two passports. That alone is, a, you know, he shouldn't have that. One of them probably is Russian. And I mean, just crazy stuff. And that was it. So, so, some idiots out there were posting, oh, he's got a Russian passport so he can flee to Russia. And then I guess there is nothing that can be said about Donald Trump that is so crazy that there aren't some leftists who are going to believe it. Right. So. I mean, people that claim to be intelligent, that have all these elite educational degrees and whatnot, and have these mouthpieces that, you know, mainstream media outlets and, and uh, you know, they just, everything is colored by their just virulent hatred of Donald Trump. You're exactly right. And you touched on a good point with Nora O'Donnell because, you know, I mentioned a moment ago that Newsweek had reported that they had two confidential sources, highly placed confidential sources within the justice department that said that Merrick Garland didn't know anything about this. And then he comes out and says, <laughs> Yeah, I authorized it. You know, and then Nora O'Donnell, Nora O'Donnell, she she's, she made the comment about they don't have his passports. Our sources say they don't have his passports. Then then the FBI, yeah, we don't have his passports. So we're going to give them back. Um, Do you think Merrick Garland fell on his sword and, and said, yeah, I approved it? No, I think he approved it. Yeah, I did too. Do you think he didn't tell anybody at the White House? I find that almost impossible to believe. I do too, because they're they're liaisons from the White House to each of the cabinet departments, and and they're talking constantly. At least they should be uh, about what's going on and 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 trying to coordinate and keep the president, you know, up to date on on what's happening in the various departments. Um, and the key I word just, that you just said was should, because quite frankly, you know, the best case scenario you could come up with if you're creative and you're trying to defend what Garland said or, or what the White House has said is that. You know, he's trying to give the president plausible deniability, and so they didn't say anything about it. But frankly, in the real world, you know, if any cabinet official in any administration under any president does something that is going to be that big and draw that much publicity, reasonably foreseen, how can you not tip your boss off to that? That's right. And if you didn't, you, you ought to be out of a job and probably would be with the possible exception of the Biden administration. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean – it's it's a I mean, this this whole effort to get Donald Trump from the from the hoax, the Russia hoax to the double impeachment to this is it makes Watergate look like child's play. Yeah, You know, you mentioned the impeachment because I just got to got to say one thing that occurred to me over the last week is we talked about, you know, this this idea that violating the Public Records Act. There's this provision that people can't hold federal office again. And we don't think that's constitutional. That's what we talked about last week, one of the things. And it occurs to me, you know, the only reason that there was that second impeachment, which let's remember was after January 6th, when we're well on the way to Biden taking office. The only reason why that even happened was the idea that we can disqualify Trump from ever being president again. And, and when Cheney supported that, that was her goal at that point. Um, and, and with her comments last night, you have to wonder, was 
you know, is this whole thing on her part motivated by her desire to be president? No, you could certainly question her motives. Take out your, you know, the, the front runner yeah. that way. Uh, the other big story today, I guess, had to do with the southern border. We've talked about it many times. Nothing has changed. Uh, border Patrol admitted that uh, they have over 2 million detentions uh, so far this fiscal year, which isn't over by a couple of months. And um, that didn't even count the ones who got away. And they have no idea how many got away. Right. And, and 66 people on the terror watch list have been caught. And don't know how many on the terror watch list didn't get caught. That's right. And, and you know, you've got, uh, and, I, and I wanted to, to, to mention this. What happened with Salman Rushdie? Th- that kind of thing is more likely with all these folks coming across the southern border because, you know, there's this notion out there that all these people are um, Mexican nationals, and they're not. You know, you have every... Every color, uh, every race, every creed, every nationality, every religion, and all kinds of combinations. And, you know, um, you've got Cubans and Chinese and Iranians and Iraqis and Afghanis and, and all kinds of folks coming across. And we know the terrors, uh, terrorists. Um, and, I, you know, Lindsey Graham said the other day that the chance of another domestic event by Islamic terrorists has gone up exponentially and, you know, maybe even to the, to the level of nine 11 again, but you wonder, you know, did, did this guy, I mean, you know, I don't know how he got here, but did he come across the border? Um, you know, it's a good question. And they haven't released any information about that. Um, uh, no, but they don't know a motive either. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're struggling to find the motive, right? Despite what he said and the Iranians and, and we got to have a we got to get that deal done with the Iranians. And what's been going on since 1988 with Salman Rushdie, where you know there's been a fat lot to, to to have him killed. But you know, to your point about what Lindsey Graham said about the risk of a terrorist attack, it was a year ago when we pulled out of Afghanistan. Just I guess a few days past the the one year anniversary, and the CIA assessment after that was that we were two years away from, uh, you know, facing a potential major terrorist event. Um, now, this does it accelerate that timetable? Perhaps. If so, we're yeah, a year I, into it. I think it probably does. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Mm. Well, I want to get your thoughts on the Giuliani testimony before a state grand jury in Georgia today. And, and he's been informed apparently today that he was a target of the investigation. Yeah, and, and what I know about it is that there is a criminal investigation going on in the state of Georgia, Fulton County, I believe, which is um, a large part of well, – it's, it's, it's actually the center of what we would call the city of Atlanta, which, of course, is a larger metropolitan area. Um, and, uh, you know, it's all investigation into claims of the 2020 election. I don't know what Giuliani in particular is accused of doing or even alleged to have done. I, I don't know. I know he fought having to testify and lost. And he fought having to travel. He said he couldn't travel because he had recently had a, a stent placed in his heart. And when he when he arrived today, the press was asking him, did he come by train or bus? And he, he, he 
chuckled and said, I'll, I'll say one thing. I didn't walk. Um, and then he went on in. But apparently he, he made an appearance before a legislative committee, I think, uh, soon after the election and, and asked them, uh, stated to them that Donald Trump won the election in Georgia, uh, that uh, folks would be able to objectively know that in, uh, in a year and 10 years. Um, and he asked them to um, not certify the election for Biden. And apparently that is uh, some of at, at least the accusation of the allegations against him that he interfered in the election, which, I mean, that, that's preposterous. Is it a uh, some type of statewide equivalent to a federal false official statement crime? Or I'm not sure. Um, I, I think it, it it the impression that I got when I read that was that it was more of an attempt to interfere with the legislators' legislative duty under the Georgia Constitution and statutes. It's bizarre to me. Well, it is bizarre because people petition the legislative bodies all the time, one way or another, and make claims that, you know, that kind of falls under the First Amendment, you would expect. You would think. Uh, and how many how many of these Democrats, even, you know, the chairman of the January 6th committee said in Congress in 2016 that uh, the states ought to uh, ought not certify the votes for Trump and that he didn't legitimately win the election. And Hillary Clinton to this day talks about how it was a stolen election. Yeah, well, and you know, stick with Georgia. Stacey Abrams has said the same thing about oh, yeah. you know, her, her prior election there. But, you know, this same prosecutor, I understand, has uh, subpoenaed Senator Lindsey Graham to testify. He filed a some type of action in federal court asking that be stricken, and that was denied. So... You know, I don't know what the timing is going to be or whether he's appealing that, but he may be testifying also. I had heard that he was expected to appeal. And then I heard today uh, that he had been informed that he was not a target, but, but nothing was said about the appeal uh, or potential appeal. Yeah, and it's remarkable that we're coming up on the election in fairly short order, almost two years into the Biden term, and we're still talking about these issues. Yeah. Yeah. So so let me before we move on, I want you to put on your prognosticator hat, take off your U.S. Open hat and put that one on and and tell our listeners what you think the Vegas line is, the over under, so to speak, on whether President Donald Trump is indicted prior to November the 8th, 2022. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about that the last couple of days, because if you had asked me this question six weeks, maybe two months ago, I would have said, you know, it's maybe a 10 percent possibility. Uh, now I would say it's more like a 75 percent possibility. And a few weeks ago, you raised the question about an indictment and a D.C. jury and what would happen. And there just seems to be more pressure building and more justification floating around out there, not to mention the fact that I already had it kind of on my radar to start looking in two weeks at what's going to be the September surprise or the October surprise that they're going to come up with uh, before the election. Uh, I, I'm, I have a strong feeling it's going to be some type of indictment uh, of Trump or at least an announcement that a grand jury is moving closer to it or something to that effect. 
Uh, right now, I think it's a strong possibility. I, I think you're right, unfortunately. Uh, and I, I, the one thing that I think um, Liz Cheney may have gotten right last night, and it, it, it sort of shakes me to my core, but she said that the country was about as divided now as it was in 1860. And I, I hope she's not right, but I'm afraid she is. Well, I think she she may be close to being right, uh, regardless of the results of her election not being that close. And she's certainly doing everything she can to to to, to further the division. Well, what do you think about this story that that Trump somehow sent a message to Garland? And I, I never understood how saying well, what can we do to lower the temperature in the country. Yeah, um, and, he, and he made some kind of public statement to that effect that that he wanted to uh, needed to do that. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I think Trump is by virtue of his position now as a former president, and and, and in all likelihood the the target of uh, any number of investigations. Um, I think he's forced to react to what happens. My sense is he doesn't like that. Um, he, he wants to be the actor and force others to react to him. I, I, and so I don't know that there's anything he can do short of announcing that he's not running for president. I think if he were to do that, I don't think it, it necessarily heals the divisions, I, I, but I think it it calms down, at least from the left part, some of the uh, urge to drive the, the car off the cliff, so to speak. I, I think that, and, and I saw somebody say this uh, last week, and I, I don't remember who. Um, so if, if you're out there and you hear this and you want credit, let us know and we'll give you credit. But, but I thought it was really, really good point. And that is, it's not so much that Donald Trump's voters and supporters love Donald Trump as it is that they see him as the most receptive person to their fundamental political notions and the most likely to enact uh, what they believe should be enacted. And so he, he's kind of there. He, he, I mean, he's useful. It, it explains his, his, uh, Popularity, and and if he weren't useful, in other words, if he said I'm not running, uh, then I think that there, at least the vast majority of his support would 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 hold. It would just transfer to someone else, and I frankly think that person right now is, is DeSantis. Um, I think potentially it could be Ron Paul. It, it could be someone we don't even know. I, I don't think it's uh, Nikki Haley. I don't think it's Pence. I don't think it's uh, uh, Tim Scott. I, I, I don't think it's um, Mitt Romney or, or any of the you know quote unquote big names. In other words, I don't think it's Trump because he's Trump. I think it's Trump because he fights for what what Nixon would call the silent majority believes in. You make some interesting points there. I would I would have gone probably the opposite direction when you said that you know his announcing that he would not run would calm things down. I wonder if the looming possibility of a grand jury indictment doesn't push him the opposite way to announce that he is running, uh, 
with with the idea that you know they can't, they're not going to go out on a limb and indict someone, the former president who's running again. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but you know I could easily see that thinking is that that pushes him to announce earlier. I think it does push him to announce earlier. I could even see him, you know, and you know there'll be a frog march. Um, I could even see him saying it while he's shackled and being led into uh, you know a jail or a courthouse, making that announcement. Um, Ed, you know, a year ago, I would have said somebody within the Democrat Party would stop them from indicting an announced presidential candidate. I don't think there's such a person. I don't think that's going to stop them. I think they're going to do it. Um, and I think they realize that they better do it before, at least before the consequences of the November elections come to fruition. So, so that puts them on the clock before January. Um, and, and I think they do it before the election, because if they do it after ne- November the 8th, then it looks like sour grapes, assuming the Republicans do what the polls suggest, which is take the House at a minimum. Well, a lot to be on the watch for in the coming weeks. What, what's on your radar for the next week? Um, all that. <laughs> uh, and... Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think there's probably some. My sense is, and I, you know, I don't know, but I, I think there's there's another. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, breaking news story percolating out there, um, and I don't know what it is, obviously, um, but I, I I think that um, I think there may be an August surprise or an attempted August surprise. And, and it may just be they're going to arrest Trump. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, the same things we've been watching for some time, Merritt continued watching. But I, I, I just wonder if there's something something out there that's going to happen that's going to either, you know, sort of change the focus of the media or heighten it or uh, cause it to focus on something. Um, but I don't know. What about you? Well, I had one thing that I was going to mention, which we kind of talked around about you know, earlier, but it's Iran. And, uh, you know, there was a story over the last week and there've been some stories kind of about this, but it really came out in the last week that Iran had made an effort to assassinate John Bolton, former national security advisor, as well as, uh, Secretary, former Secretary of State Pompeo. Then there was this attack on Salman Rushdie, uh, which people certainly suspect Iran, if they weren't directly involved in, they've certainly inspired over the last uh, couple of decades. There are also still these rumors that there's text on the table for a nuclear deal between the Biden administration and Iran. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just questioning if that's not going to be the August surprise that you just mentioned is they're going to come out with some new nuclear deal with Iran. They're going to they're going to ignore. They're trying to assassinate Americans. Uh, they're going to ignore drone attacks that Iran has been sponsoring in Iraq and a destabilization in the Middle East because they want some type of diplomatic victory. Merely for the sake of having a deal and being able to say we got a deal. Exactly. And, exactly. and I, my understanding of the current state of the negotiations is that the Iranians are saying no. 
and and the fears that the Biden administration will will cave even and come up with a deal that's even worse than the JCPOA or JCCPOA that the Obama folks uh, agreed to. Uh, scary stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. All right. You got anything else for tonight? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can email us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please click subscribe with your podcast provider. Leave us a review and tell your friends.